Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Today I'm continuing our series on faith. I've heard lots of people say that they don't want to become a Christian or they can't follow Jesus because it would make them lose all their freedom and it would be like following a set of boring rules. And I also think sometimes people who are following Jesus and maybe have been following Jesus for many years can feel restricted and don't feel like they're living in freedom. So today I want to focus on the freedom that we can have. In fact, the freedom that Jesus promises all of us. I'm going to be talking about a faith that frees. So let's look at the Bible and see what Jesus said. If you haven't got a Bible, then that's fine. If you have, go to John chapter 8, verse 31, but the words will appear on the screen. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So Jesus is talking to people who have believed in him. The word is pistio, which means to have faith in. And these people have said yes to Jesus already. They believe who he says he is. uh, They've decided that he's trustworthy and they've put their faith in him. But Jesus now encourages them to go into the next stage of discipleship. He says, hold to my teachings. And the emphasis for his listeners is to know and put into practice all that Jesus has said and done Remember, they're literally following him around, watching what he's doing, how he's treating the poor, how he's loving the marginalised. They're seeing his life unfold and the way he treats people. And Jesus says, hold to my teachings. And then he goes on to say that this will result in them knowing the truth. And the word, here, the word used here means to know absolutely in a great variety of applications. So this truth isn't about a head knowledge, just knowing facts, uh, just knowing the truth. It's about really living it because you've applied it and knowing it because you've applied it. And Jesus is saying that knowing the truth comes through his words and his teachings being applied in all of life situations. We recently did first aid training as a staff team, which was great fun. And the theory is great. It's knowledge that I hope will stay in my head. Um, But the reason I learn it is that one day I may need to put it into practice. So I need to to do it. For example, on the PowerPoint, when it said uh, after 30 compressions, do two rescue breaths, I need to get that into my head. And actually, as we practiced on the dummies, it became much more real to me. And in fact, did you know that if you do Nelly the elephant twice through it's exactly 30 compressions I know who knew but that made it much more memorable to me uh, just actually doing it but I know that if I actually had to do CPR on somebody I would find out that what I'd learned was really true and that it would save hopefully somebody's life and when you turn theory into practice a bit like with our first day training you find out that it will work 
And it's in the ap this application of Jesus' truth that we find the freedom that he's talking about because Jesus says the truth will set you free. And then he goes on to make this profound statement. Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And in the King James Version, it says verily, verily. And the word here, verily, uh, that he says twice for emphasis at the beginning is the same word as amen. Now, we normally say amen at the end of a prayer, don't we? Because it's like agreeing, it's saying, let it be so. But Jesus is very fond of saying this word, amen, verily, verily, before making statements uh, or giving a message to people. And when used in this way, the word amen has a slightly different implication. So leading off with amen not only implies that it's true, but that the person making the statement has first-hand knowledge of it being true and has authority about it. So when Jesus begins with the, with the words, very truly I tell you, he's not merely saying, believe me, this is true. He's actually saying, I know this is true, trust me. I know this is true first-hand, this is not just my opinion. So because of the strength of Jesus' language, we need to pay real attention to what he's saying because he says everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But let's unpack this concept of sin and what it actually means. So the word sin means to miss the mark and so not share in the prize. Other words used for sin in the Bible describe it as to deviate from the goal or to take the wrong road. If we think about God's story, his plan for us, it's like an arrow aiming at the centre of a target at the bullseye, with the bullseye being God's love and the arrow being the story of how we can be brought back into relationship with him. But rather than follow God's story, people follow their own alternative stories, the blue arrow, and they turn away from God and turn inward to themselves and follow their own plans and selfish desires. And they become opponents of God's story, his best plan. The deviation or the gap between these two stories is what we call sin. And continuing on this path leads to a kind of self-imposed exile, a separation from God's love and God's story. You see, sin is all about position and practice. When Jesus says, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. He was explaining two key truths to them. Their sin had excluded them from God's family. This was their position. And their sin had bound them to behaving in a certain way. This was their practice. Jesus comes to deal with our position and our practice. He comes to put us back into God's story. How does he do this? Well, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus said, The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So he calls us to turn away from our sin, our selfish desires and our need to do everything our own way and believe in him, to have faith in him. We repent when we review our story, realise that it isn't taking us where we want to go anymore and in faith we choose to trust in Jesus. And then this realigns us with God's story. Jesus frees us from our self-exile and we are welcomed home into the Father's love. He changes our position. The good news is that God loves us. He's close to us and he wants to be reconciled to us. And this is the freedom that he's calling us into. So after changing our position, 
He then begins to deal with our practice. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. There is a promise of freedom to be found in the ongoing outworking of applying Jesus's words to our lives. And as we daily choose to review and realign our stories with his story, we find increasing freedom. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And this is why following Jesus is about both position and practice. And the freedom Jesus offers us is both a freedom from and a freedom to. A freedom from a position outside of God's family and a freedom to live a life that reflects his love and character. Remember Simon said a couple of weeks ago that we run the race as people who have already won, but we still have to run the race. It says in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 8 and 10, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light and find out what pleases the Lord. So there should be an ongoing realignment of our story to God's story. As we choose to turn away from sin and our selfish desires, to partner with God and to partner with his story and enter all that he has for us, then we will walk in freedom. And I said at the beginning that I think lots of people think that following Jesus means strict rules and almost being in bondage and not being able to do the things that they want to do. But I disagree and I want to share with you today how how I think that following Jesus brings a life of freedom and actually what that freedom might look like for all of us. So we are free to love. God is love. He's lavishly, excessively, outrageously loving in every iota of his infinite being. God is extravagant in his love for each one of us and loving is his very nature. His story is one of everlasting love for all people. That's the narrative of the Bible. He loved us when he died for our sins and he rose again three days later. He loved us by making a way back to the Father and he calls us into this love. He loves us perfectly and wholeheartedly and we are adopted into his family. We become children of God and can experience a love that's totally unique, like nothing on this earth can offer. So when we choose to align ourselves with God's story, when we put faith in Jesus and give our yes to him, we can find freedom and become people of love. Because of the love we have received, this intense love, we are able to give that love out to other people and to love freely, to love without prejudice or judgment, to loving unconditionally, even when it's really hard and it doesn't make sense. See, love should be an outflow and an overflow of being full of Jesus. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. Our freedom is a gift from God not to please ourselves, but rather to go above and beyond in serving the people around us and helping others. Love your neighbour as yourself is not a command to love ourselves. And it's sometimes hard to understand that, isn't it? Because we we just don't want to think of ourselves as um, being more important than we should. And what does that mean to love our neighbour as we love ourselves? 
but we do love ourselves in the sense that we want the best for our own lives most of the time. So I like to think of it like this. Loving your neighbour as yourself means wanting to feed the hungry as much as you want to feed yourself when you get hungry. It's wanting to help the person who's broken down on the side of the road as much as you would want help if you'd broken down. It's wanting to share Jesus with your friend as much as you are glad that you know Jesus. It's basically using all the creativity and energy and perseverance to do good things for others that you use in doing good things for yourself. It's caring about what happens to others as much as you care about what happens to you. So are we freely loving and serving those around us at work, school, college, in our neighbourhood, our small group? Because when we show kindness to others, we are showing them firsthand the love of Jesus. What a privilege, but what a responsibility. I love what the message translation says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. Mostly, what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Isn't that amazing? So I want to encourage you this week to stop and pause for a while and reflect on the love of God, not just for humankind, but for you as an individual, as if you were the only person on the earth. And as you get filled again and maybe gain a deeper understanding, then look for ways where you can pour out that love to others and serve people around you and to go beyond what's even expected. One of the most freeing things about following Jesus is that we are free to forgive. God's whole story is one of forgiveness, isn't it? It's about a God who sent his son Jesus to die so that we would be reconciled back to him. And Jesus commands us to forgive. When he was asked how many times we should forgive, he said 70 times 7, which basically means uh, without limit. He also modelled forgiveness. When he was literally about to die, he turned and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Our faith in Jesus and knowing how forgiven we are frees and empowers us to forgive those who've wronged and hurt us. And the wonderful thing is that that freedom that enables us to forgive brings us even more freedom as we do it and put it into practice. I have known that in my own life on several occasions things that have hurt me, lies that have been said and spread about me, people who've betrayed me, disappointing relationships. I've had it all and I'm, I'm sure you have too and I know that I've hurt people. But what I've learnt is that the forgiveness that I've been freely given from Jesus for everything I've ever done and will do makes me determined to freely pass on that gift too. Over the years in pastoral ministry, I have seen the destruction of unforgiveness and how bitterness and hatred sets in and really hurts people. But I've also seen the beauty of a life lived with forgiveness of others. There is such a difference. One person lives in captivity and the other lives in freedom. If you know there's hurt in your life and you're finding it hard to let go and forgive, ask the Holy Spirit to help you because what God asks us to do, he always backs up with a promise to empower us with his Holy Spirit. Maybe find a trusted friend to talk to and ask them to pray with you about it. And it may well be, and often is, a choice that you have to make every day until you feel it's done. 
You may need to do something symbolic. I've said before how I had to go to the sea on one occasion and pick up some stones and throw them in uh, just to release what I felt needed to be gone from me. And it was a really um, amazing and symbolic act that was really useful to me. You might find other things. Some people write letters and burn them. Um, But do what you need to do to, to move forward in steps of forgiving. Sometimes forgiving others feels very unfair, doesn't it? It feels like we're letting them off the hook if we just forgive them. And it's like saying that what they did was okay. Well, forgiveness never makes what the person did okay. And it doesn't excuse their behaviour in any way. But it does free you from their behaviour continuing to destroy you. Someone once said that unforgiveness is like letting someone live rent free in your head. And another famous quote, holding on to a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You see, when we forgive, we let go. We let go of the hurt and we let go of the person. We kind of take them off our hook and put them onto God's hook. To forgive is the most beautiful form of love that I think you can give to somebody. And in return, you will receive peace and happiness. It's a promise So if there are people in your life that have hurt you and and you haven't been able to move on, then can I encourage you again this week to take some time uh, or even today make a decision to begin that process of forgiveness and then go to God, talk to him and depend on him to give you the strength that you need, to give you the power to help you release forgiveness. He is there for you and he promises to walk by your side. We are free to experience real joy. God is a God of joy. And when Jesus invited us into his story, he promised us this in John 15, verse 11. He says, I have told you this so that my joy may be be in you and that your joy may be complete. When our circumstances are positive and things are going well, it's easy to feel happiness. But when those circumstances change or life throws us a curveball, as in the whole of this year, to be honest, happiness can disappear. But joy is not the same as happiness. Joy is based on something much more than what is going on around us. It's based on an internal well-being, something that comes from having faith in something bigger than our circumstances, being part of a bigger story, God's story. And in Christ, we have access to that joy. And it's the uh, access to a joy that's deeper than the greatest of our sorrows, whatever is going on. It's a joy that leads us to say, whatever is happening around us, it is well with my soul. It's like an anchor that holds us in the storm. And we need that right now, don't we? So that joy is something to chase after, to hold on to, because it's real. It's something that's not of this world. It's a joy given to us that is deep and profound. And it's not dictated to by our circumstances and what's going on all around us. And we have that joy because we know Jesus. He is the giver of our joy. Enduring joy comes from knowing that I am loved by my heavenly father and I'm going to spend eternity with him. Joy comes from knowing that before I was born, I was in my mother's womb and God was planning my life. Joy comes from knowing that when I am weak, he's strong. That when I don't have the answer, he's my wisdom. Joy comes from knowing that in Christ I am free to have a relationship with God. Joy comes from knowing that even when I fail, his mercy goes on forever. I just want to encourage you that joy is on the inside of you right now. 
But if you're finding it hard at the moment, especially in these very trying times, start with being real with God about how you feel. It's okay to have doubts and frustrations with God and it's so important that we don't just brush them aside and pretend that they're not there. Jake spoke about this last week, um, how to have enduring faith in, in the midst of really hard times and being honest with God. If you haven't heard that yet, then can I really encourage you to go back and have a listen. And when you've talked to God, then maybe move into very simple acts of thankfulness. It's proven to help us find our joy and I think it's a great springboard to reconnecting with God when things are tough. So just start simple. You can rejoice that you woke up this morning. You can rejoice that God has plans for you that are good. You can rejoice that he's always with you. There is nothing conditional about the joy that comes from Jesus Christ. Another way to access that that joy is to spend time in his presence, focusing on his truth in the Bible. Maybe look at verses about what God says about you and replace the lies that are going on in your head with his truth. Choose to believe that God has the very best for you. Now, I know that sometimes our mental health suffers and it's really hard to access that joy, even if we know it and we felt it before and we really believe it. It might be hormonal or chemical imbalances or just really tough circumstances that are kind of bringing you down at the moment and stealing your joy. And if that's you right now, then I don't want you to feel under any condemnation. You can put good things into practice, obviously, and I would always encourage you to do that. But I would also say, go to the doctors if you feel unwell. Seek medical and professional help, just as you would if you had a physical ailment. Because God cares about every part of you, your whole self. So I just encourage you to look after yourself. If you're feeling depressed or low mood, then please do seek professional help as well. And the last thing I want to focus on today is that we are free to be generous because God is a generous God. We see God's generosity in his creation of the heavens and the earth, in all the variety of the valleys and the mountains and the beaches and the oceans and the deserts and the jungles. And that's before we even consider the shapes and the sizes of all the creatures on the earth. Did you know that there are more than 300 species of octopuses and it's octopuses or octopi, I had to look that up, in our oceans, over 300. And there are 10,000 species of birds flying in our skies. And this is amazing. There's 25,000 to 30,000 species of orchid growing on the earth. And did you know that just one handful of sand has 10,000 grains in it? And it blows my mind to know that there are more stars in the cosmos than grains of sand on every beach in the world. And it's the same with our food, isn't it? I love food. And the earth provides us with a multitude of colours and textures and flavours and smells to delight our eyes and our taste buds. We see a world absolutely dripping in variety, beauty, splendour. And that's because the one who made it was so generous. He didn't cut corners, he didn't cut costs, he didn't do it on a budget. God's world is lavish and abundant. And Paul tells us in 1 Timothy that God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. His purpose in generosity is to bless us all. We see generosity in the ministry of Jesus during his time on earth. When he changed the water into wine, he didn't just make enough and it didn't taste just about okay. He made lots and it was overflowing and it tasted amazing. And it was the end of the celebration where people actually probably were a bit drunk and wouldn't have noticed And when he fed the 5,000, he didn't skimp on that. He didn't ration the food. When everybody had had enough, there were basketfuls of food left over. 
And we see generosity, obviously, most of all, most beautifully and most fully with the, um, when God sent Jesus to die for us. Salvation is where God gives of himself and he was holding nothing back. So when we think about the generosity of God, I think we have a pretty good pattern to follow. We have a pattern to overflow with generosity, to give even when it's at personal cost. I love to read about the Macedonians in, in the Macedonian church in 2 Corinthians. Paul tells us that in the midst of a very severe trial, the overfl- their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. The key for them was that they gave of themselves first to God and then to others. And when we give of ourselves first to God, our lives can be marked by rich generosity for others. We can be a people who are generous with our time, our energy, our money and ourselves. And as we give freely, we have a father who is just waiting to give back to us again so freely and in so many ways. Luke chapter 6 verse 38 says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That to me is a wonderful picture of overflow and freedom. See, when we are part of God's story, all of the resources that God has blessed us with take on new dimensions. When we have faith in the one that provides for us, when we put our trust in him and not in the things that we have, then they don't have a hold over us and we're free to bless and overflow with abundance. I found these definitions of generosity, what it means to live a generous life. They were given by pastors and ministers from across the world and they said it so beautifully that I wanted to share some of them with you today. A generous life is a life lived with your hand open, a continuous act of love, solidarity and dedication towards others. Generosity invites you to look around and model Jesus' lifestyle of walking with intentionality in his heart, knowing that he would find human beings whom he would heal, feed and support in the process of life. Generosity is love that covers, nourishes and heals. Living generously is living gratefully, offering from one's abundance without thought of recompense or expectation of return in order to enhance and enrich the lives of others. To be generous, you must make someone happy before yourself. You must give your time to someone who needs it, even when you don't have time to spare. You must give your favourite belongings to someone who needs them. In short, to be generous, you must love the people around you more than you love yourself. Like a heartbeat, generosity is involuntary. It happens without conscious thought. It is the, without a second thought, showing love to one another. So I encourage you today to look at how you give of yourself, not just financially, although I do think that's a crucial part of generosity and trusting God, but in every part of your life. What might it look like to have an open heart and an open hand where we give to each other freely and without thought? I've just chosen a few examples today, but I hope you can see that when we choose God's story and not our own, when we turn away from selfish desires, We will walk in freedom because that's our inheritance and it's an exciting journey. My longing is that as a church family, we will walk in that freedom every day. We'll partner with it and we'll choose it above everything. And as we walk in that freedom, we will reflect Jesus to those people in our community. Earlier in the week, I asked my good friend Christine to share a bit of her story and how her decision to follow Jesus brought freedom into her life. 
Hi Christine, thanks for being with us today. So can you tell us what life was like before you met Jesus? Oh, my life before Jesus. Well, I was very busy, had a busy life, brought up children, and um, but there was always that something that I felt that I needed to, there was always something missing. I always felt I was searching and I used to do the horoscopes. I've done it all to try and find this God that everybody was talking about. And you had a lot of anxiety, didn't you? I did, I did. I was very anxious, was very fearful. I was fearful of what tomorrow would bring and what's going to happen to me. Mm. And um, yes, and it got really bad. So I had to leave work and my sister um, asked me to go and stay with her, who took me uh, to see a Baptist minister who was really lovely and we chatted and chatted and there was lots of tears and he made me understand that actually God is a God of love. And um, he then asked me if um, I would like to give my life to Jesus. And at that point I thought, I've got nowhere else to go. Mm. I'm so rock bottom, I couldn't see my way out. You'd anything. had a breakdown. I'd had you? a breakdown, yes. So um, anyway, um, he prayed for me Oh my goodness me, in a split second, I had this lovely, uh, I suppose it's a picture really, mm. of, of Jesus holding a child and he was surrounded by children and he said, come with me and I said, I will. And I've been with him ever since and it's been wow. such an exciting time. So what would it you really say Jesus is. did for you, Christine? Oh, he set moment. me free. Oh, he set me free. Definitely set me free from my past. And um, it was lovely. I was so full of joy and the sky was blue and the grass was green. A contrast and to how you've been Absolutely, absolutely. I felt on cloud nine. But as time went on, I got to know more about this Jesus. That's and it, it's really a, a, lovely, a lovely story of what Jesus can do for people and uh, what he can do for each one of us if we just trust him. Fantastic. So obviously, when things are hard, life is up and down, isn't it? And we know yeah. that this year especially. So what advice can you give to people who are struggling in the hard times? You know, obviously, we know that God brings joy, but what about when you're struggling and yeah. you just need to make some decisions? What would you say to people? Oh, well, there's always lots of decisions to make, isn't there? And I mean, you can choose to believe any lie mm. um, said against you, or you can choose to believe what God says about you. Mm. And sometimes, you know, I, I fail, just like everybody else, but at the end of the day, I know that Jesus is there for me, and get into his word, don't isolate yourself, mm. just be with other people who can um, encourage you in your walk with Jesus, because I'm telling you, it's so exciting. Thank you, Christine, that's fantastic. Thank you, Christine. So you can see that following Jesus brings freedom to us. If you haven't yet made the decision to follow Jesus and you're longing for the freedom that I've talked about, then why not give your yes to him today? I encourage you to do what Christine did all those years ago and just open your hands and your heart and say, yes, Jesus, I need you in my life. We gain freedom when we give our yes to him. And as we choose to follow him and align our story with his, we begin to walk in freedom. If you've been listening today and you know Jesus but you don't feel free, if you feel that there are parts of your life where you're in bondage and darkness, then it's a great chance to stop, pause and reflect, reevaluate, say sorry to God for the things that you might have done, ask for forgiveness and ask him to welcome you back into his story and choose freedom again. 
Maybe there are things in your life that you need to let go of, people that you need to forgive. Spend some time this week asking God to reveal to you where you're in bondage and how you can know real freedom. God wants to be near us and he desires freedom for every one of us. He's always there as a constant in our lives and I want to remind all of us today that it's not God who's moved away, it's us. He's always there with open arms to welcome us back safely into sanctuary. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we we welcome you now. We invite you into our homes and our hearts. Wherever we are, we welcome your presence. Father God, we thank you that you love us so much. Thank you that you long for us to have freedom and walk in freedom every day. Please forgive us when we think we can do things on our own. We choose to put our faith in you today, to turn from anything that pulls us away from your goodness, and we run back to you. Thank you that you're always there to receive us. And our Father, would you please fill us with your presence and help us to overflow with light and love and grace and mercy to all of those around us. Holy Spirit, just come. Thank you, Jesus. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. If you want to know more about following Jesus or maybe you've given your yes to him today, then please do get in touch with us through our website. We'd love to chat more and get to know you. Well, we'll see you again soon. Have a very safe week. God bless. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.